And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Follow at your own risk. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and you can follow us on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. You can follow us on Facebook at Horizon Roundtable. And, of course, you can always visit the site at HorizonRoundtable.com. And be sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And, Matt, um, we are allegedly very, very close to the start of the season. That's what they keep saying. I don't know how much I believe it. I, I don't want to get my hopes up, but they, they keep telling us that we're, we're going to do this. I keep hearing that all the time, yes. It's like a it, rumor. Yeah. You know, they, uh, seems like we're not getting off of that, and that's fine. I'm good with that. Um, so it is. it has been our almost annual tradition to uh, bring on members of the student media. So this is our third annual student media forum. So um, really happy to have those who were able to get on, be able to get on a little sketchier this year for obvious reasons. And we'll get into a little bit of that later. These college kids think they have something going on in their real lives. What's up with that? Like, yeah, the weird, like, you know, publication deadlines and, you know, term papers and exams and, and and then a whole crazy COVID thing where everybody ends up on, you know, uh, doing vir- classes virtually now. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you that it's not the same. <laughs> so um, so joining us. So so again, really happy to have everybody on who is on. Um, let me go ahead and introduce everybody, you know, and we'd love to hear about kind of your background and, you know, how you got into the, you know, how you got into student media, things like that. Uh, so I'm going to start in alphabetical order, which is awesome for me because you have absolutely no idea how happy I am that I have a representative of the student publication that I used to work at many, many years ago, The Cauldron. Um, you know, Anton Sorry, Krieger, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. So um, I got I got into uh, – I got into student uh, media because I really just enjoyed sports. Um, and my, my background is actually in history, political science, and social studies for my undergraduate. And I'm actually a graduate student. I'm uh, studying public policy. So um, my background is not in any type of uh, communications or anything like that, but I'm just really happy to write about sports. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm here. Nice. Um, also joining us is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is Matthew Dietz from the Northerner at Northern Kentucky. Matthew, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. I am a junior right now at NKU uh, studying journalism. And uh, I think it was last semester I started covering a few basketball games with uh, Sierra Newton, who you guys obviously had on last semester. And uh, she kind of showed me around and she, she was outstanding. She was so good at what she did. And um when she graduated in the spring, the spot opened up to be, uh, be a sports editor for the Northern Air. And I applied for that, and uh, I was given the position, which I've been very grateful for. It's been a good time so far. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sierra is absolutely one of the best. Uh, also, Sam Rosensteel. I know they're both still – they're both in the industry now, as, as, as I understand. So um, makes perfect sense. Uh, those – Definitely two good, two great people to learn from. Um, and last but not least, um, you know, probably the first one of the first people we thought of when Robert Morris originally was added to the Horizon League is Austin Bechtold. Austin, thank you very much for joining us. 
Well, I appreciate the kind words, guys. Um, so, as you said, I am Austin Bechtold. I'm a sophomore sports communications major at RMU. I'm the assistant sports editor of Colonial Sports Network. It's a brand new website that we created kind of on the spot last year. Kind of a thing that we were drawing up before the pandemic, but something that we kind of had accelerated as the pandemic went on. Uh, like I said, I'm a sports communications major. I have minors in business and sports management. And, you know, it's pretty cool moving up from where we were in the NEC to the Horizon League. A couple more opportunities have already popped up. And I don't know. I, I like writing and stuff like that. I'm on a bunch of TV shows that I produce. We have a basketball podcast called The Tool Shed, dedicated a little bit of an ode to our head coach, Andy Tool. So, it's going to be an interesting season, and we think that a couple of the guys in the um, news department think that RMU is going to be somewhat competitive, but we're not exactly sure how the transition is going to be. So that's kind of the most interesting topic that we've been discussing over the past couple of weeks. I think taking any podcast you know, with an ode to Andy Toole is a, is a good place to start because we had him on, and he, what, what yeah. a cool dude. Yeah, yes, he's a great absolutely. guy, great coach, and he was always consistently on the uh, – I think like the 10 best coaches under 40 every year. And now he's gotten to be over that hump. So he's, say, he's got been... like what, 10 more years, I think <laughs> <laughs> they just signed him to a new contract extension through, I think 2025 or so. So hopefully he'll be around for a while. We certainly love having him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So uh, before we kind of get into what we expect to see this season and again, you know, the non-conference is the 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 basketball season as a whole is supposed to start on November 25th, which is this Wednesday. We'll get into kind of the complications behind that a little later, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the challenges you guys face as student media members. Now, I'm if I'm now if I understand, I do understand correctly. Um, I know Cleveland State is going to be probably spending this next week. Uh, transitioning out of the in-person classes into the virtual classes. And I don't know what your collective situations are at your schools, but what has been kind of the challenge, and not just that challenge, but the fact that you have, you, by and large, all the schools in the Horizon League have had the com extra added complication of the fact that you have, up in, in normal years, would be well into the sports seasons of your collective schools. This year has not been that case. This year, basketball was going to be the start of the season. So, what has how have how is your experience? How is how has kind of that impacted your overall experience in student media to this point? Yeah, I can I can talk about that really quick. Um, this is Anton, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of this is my first semester actually being a sports editor for the Cauldron. And really, it's it's been a very odd semester to come in at this position. Um, it's been a lot of covering COVID. And, you know, that's that's kind of been a downer because we, we read a lot about COVID. But it's, it's, it's nice to bring in stories where you're talking about new recruits, people being excited to come to the school, you know, sometimes even out of country. Um, and really get to know some of the coaches and the players on a more personal level. Okay. Absolutely. I, I think I can second that as well. This is also my first semester working uh, for the Northerner as a sports editor. And um, 
you know, we're still trying to figure out as far as communications go with, with covering games, but a lot of our, uh, our covering has cut, has been about COVID and, um, just kind of trying to find that. Uh, Are you guys, obviously, oh. you ha- you've had the extra challenge of trying to put together a relatively new site with relatively little to be able to cover. So you've kind of probably had to get extra creative. Absolutely, right. We yeah. just basically we've been writing a bunch of, you know, previews of schedules and stuff like that. I have a piece coming out. I believe it's going to be on Tuesday for potential challenges for RMU heading into the Horizon League, basically outlining, you know, will there be fans? Brand, you're in brand new arenas, you're in brand new situations. You know, RMU would always travel east for all the games. Now they're traveling west for everything. Will that play any factor in terms of different time zones, something like that I was talking about in that piece? But, yeah, it's it's kind of hard because whenever you debut a new site, obviously you want to flow content out very consistently. And the first month or so that we were back, it was it was a struggle. We'd try to get feature pieces but no no SIDs would get back to us. So we kind of just had to come up with things on our own and our own opinion pieces that would go out. But now it's obviously it's starting to speed up with sports looking like they're actually going to return eventually. Do you guys find a student, um, you know, doing all the student media stuff that it's easier or harder to get, you know, in contact with coaches and, and players right now? You know, because obviously it's probably all being done through, you know, Zoom or whatever. Um, where before maybe you were able to get into the arenas and talk to these guys. Is it harder or that right now because of that? Or what, what's that like for y'all? I would say it's it's definitely more difficult to get in touch with people. I think we all just have crazy lives. You know, people are just kind of down and out because of COVID. Um, obviously, the coaches and players, their minds are focused on practices and things like that. So um, I, I have experienced a little bit more trouble with getting in touch with people. I, I think it's it's been harder, um, but on the other end of that, it's also made it a little more convenient. Like we had a story go, or we're going to have a story going up pretty soon about some of the newcomers that are joining the program, and the person that interviewed them, he was able to get six or seven players on in one Zoom call, and so I think that's kind of been an added bonus that we're kind of able to get more in a short amount of time with these online um, platforms. And I don't know about you guys. Um, I know personally, um, I've had some success where you know. Because of shutdown, you know, if a team gets shut down, I'm sure Bob's going to talk about this more, you know, what we're all seeing, um, maybe finding a coach or a player that you're able to talk to because they're not able to practice or anything like that. So I don't know if you guys have had that experience, but I know I personally have, and that's kind of made it a little bit easier in some ways. Yeah. Guess not. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think, um, I think a lot of these uh, places, a lot of these teams that aren't really practicing yet, they are. I think they're they're the they're the area they're the sports that we're not really interested in covering at the moment, except for you know if they have new recruits and stuff. So like it's been easy to reach out over Instagram, for example, just to you know DM you know players and stuff like that and ask them about you know what why they wanted to come to Cleveland State and all of that. Um, so in that respect, I would say yes, but I think um, still largely it's hard to get in touch with people. So one of the things that I've also noticed, and you know, we in, in our in our discussions um, collectively on our end, I know the dynamic 
as far as at least at the very you know at least until the end of December is that spectators are by and large not going to be in the stands at these arenas and a lot of the kind of the post game um, activities are going to be taking place online. Um, how to your guys' point, um, how will that kind of help you collectively? Um, like for example, if you, you're you're not able to make it to the game, but you're able to you know you're able to get to the press get, you know, to a kind of Zoom press conference, like a lot of the sports teams are doing right now. I mean, um, it, it, does it make it make your job easier to be able to do that? I know, I know. In our case, I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. I live literally nowhere near any of these schools, but you know, to have the opportunity to you know potentially participate in that is something I I myself don't get to haven't been able to get to experience. So that's going to be new for me. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you, I think you're right. I think there is really an upside to, to kind of zooming in and asking players, you know, they after their post, after their game, just kind of ask them what's going on, ask the coaches what's going on. I think it does make accessibility a little bit, a little bit easier, a little bit more available for some of the students. I know there's an yeah, SID out there. Saying yeah. Oh, yeah, on, I think it can. Yeah, sorry. It's just, I don't know. Me personally, I just like going to the game, talking to the coaches. Sure. Just, I feel like you can just absorb the atmosphere a little bit better and be able to get a little bit more detail to be able to put into a story because of that. Maybe that's maybe that's just my preference, but you know, obviously we got to take what we can get at this point. And the sure. Zoom, the Zoom atmosphere isn't isn't that bad, but it's obviously not the same as actually being there and being able to you know have those face to face conversations. No, that's you're you're absolutely right. I mean, have, have as somebody who has kind of had that full experience in you know game day coverage, there is a, there's obviously a certain appeal to it, and you know, certain a bit of a rush, and you know, when you're able to you know be there and kind of catch the game live, and then you know look the talk to the coaches and the players face to face. It's there, there's a, there's a definite you know point of appeal for that. I totally get that, but you know, obviously with everything going on at the moment, you know, we have, we have to make do with what we have, I guess. Absolutely. Also, I think, go ahead. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure some SID is listening and is like, Oh, we got to put up with Bob this year. Come on. <laughs> We're trying to avoid that. <laughs> So I'm sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, it, it is good that we're able to be flexible like this. So you're saying you're able to kind of join the Zoom call. And I was able to uh, cover a few games last semester from the press room. And it is a really cool experience. But hopefully they're able to just uh, get as much like that as we can, like get as much familiarity and, and um, kind of keep it almost the same. But it is going to be different. Also, depending upon the press room, you get really good food. God, I'm gonna miss press room food. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, because yeah, because you. Um, that's right. Um, it was not last year, but the year before. Um, we had uh, we actually had Matt and Carrick Jones at Little Caesars Arena covering Motor City Madness, which you know I it was great. We had kind of the the in game experience for our you know for our podcast and our site, but. Um, you know, it's definitely Matt. You can definitely, you can obviously attest to kind of the experience on your uh, yourself. I mean, the food there was good. Little Caesars Pizza from Little Caesars Arena is just better. I can't <laughs> explain it. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was just better. 
Um, so beyond kind of your own personal experiences, obviously the big issue we now have collectively is who's actually going to start playing on the 25th. Um, Austin, obviously Robert Morris is currently paused for their basketball activities. And you could speak a little bit to that, but also to Wright state has paused Youngstown state is paused and Milwaukee is also paused. So, in terms of, and Austin obviously can probably speak to the Robert Morris experience. What kind of impact do you guys think is going to have that this is going to have? Um, maybe not necessarily now, but down the road when the conference season starts on December nineteenth. Well, I think it's going to be hard for RMU because there's so many there's there's a lot of change that's going on, not just in the conference wise, but just the players that are going to be on the team. You lose two starters and John or Josh Williams who. The leading scorer on the team, pretty much the main shooter on the team as well, as long as well as Yanis Mendy, who is a big man that's now playing overseas. So you bring in a bunch of freshmen who we think have some upside. This has been one of the better recruiting classes that Andy Tool has brought in. Uh, one guard to look look at is Cam Ferris that I would point to, but yeah, I think just having a lot of newer guys come in, a lot of, a lot of just change to the overall structure of the team. I think Coach Tool will be okay to be able to adjust with that, but obviously not having that practice time is, you know, they're, they're currently basically quarantined. They're not having any basketball activities for the next couple weeks. So that's going to be hard to be able to create that chemistry on the court. And I think that originally, even though there are two non-conference games scheduled, it could affect the first game of the year. Yeah, and you were you, you and obviously this affects um, Robert Morris specifically because again Robert Morris was supposed to start off with uh, what was it Point Park and then also you're going to be playing uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, but obviously was, those two games are going to happen. Yeah, and Central Michigan was supposed to be in between. So I I think that. RMU usually has a pretty tough non-conference schedule. I would say that this is probably one of the easier ones that they've had in the last couple of years, not to, not to knock any of those programs. But the game that is scheduled to come up for RMU, the next game is going to be an NEC championship matchup, rematch, I should say, against St. Francis, which is going to be on the road. That game is now going to be December 5th. That's supposedly the next game. Now, obviously... Things could change and things could be further delayed, but I think it's, you know, the circumstances are obviously hard for everybody. Sure, but sure. I think, I think that it's going to be, an, this is just an added layer, an added challenge that, you know, the program obviously did not expect to have to face this quarantine basically for the next couple of weeks. So I think it's going to push them back a little bit because, you know, whenever a team comes into a program or whenever, you know, RMU is coming into the Horizon League after being in the NEC. Now, the NEC is not that great at basketball. That's just the reality of it, considered one of the lower-level conferences in just Division I basketball. So when you elevate yourself to the Horizon League, which is a higher style of play, no one will deny that, it's going to be a challenge from the get-go. But when you add these added layers of you know, things that you're piling on to make it a little bit more difficult – it's going to be a rough ride to begin with. At least that's somewhat what I expect. Sure, sure. Now, the and what I find interesting, uh, well, 
while Robert Morris is having issues, and obviously so are three other pro- programs within the Horizon League, Cleveland State and Northern Kentucky, it looks like, um, seem to have you know, ha- have been able to stay kind of stay away from kind of the issues at this point. However, Cleveland State's a little more unique a situation in that we're not sure who they're playing to start the season. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to to piggyback a little bit off of what Austin was saying, you know, with the holidays and everything going on, it's really hard to it's really hard to say. There's there's so many factors going on right now that, you know, there's there's something changing every week. Sure. So it's really it's really it's been difficult on some of the staff writers. But, you know, we're, we're here to roll with the punches and we're still excited to cover things as as it comes. So. Sure. Sure. Now. Now, Northern Kentucky, of course, as far uh, uh, they're they're good. Sounds like they're good to go with the start of the season. Sounds like. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I know. So far, we've kept everything. Uh, it's been a pretty normal start. You know, we have a non-conference schedule right now. We're able to continue practicing. Uh, we got Ball State on Wednesday at home to open the season. Um, one thing I do want to add, though, that I I think is going to be really interesting this year, the way that conference games are set up to where they're going to be either on Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday against the same opponent at the same location. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's going to build in more of a, like flexibility. If, if sure. there is games canceled, maybe you move them to a midweek. You can do like a Tuesday, Wednesday, or I don't think they would do a double header situation, but it is 2020. So I think they might try to get as flexible as they can. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and that's kind of, and I want to talk a little bit about that that new structure of the um, of the conference schedule because that's good. It, now considering how the start of the season is kind of looks like it's going to be pretty herky jerky for a lot of schools. That that December nineteenth game that started that conference schedule makes everything all the more important. And so I guess the guy, I pose the question to, to the group is when you look at your collective teams, you know, what advantages do you currently see with them going into that opener, that conference season opener um, in terms of the preparation in term, and maybe even some potential pitfalls, obviously, Austin, you mentioned, um, kind of the issues that you, that Robert Morris may run into. Um, but yeah, what, what are the, what are the challenges and potential advantages that you guys see with your collective teams as, as far as going into this new format where you're going back to back games every weekend? Um, I, th- I think depth is, is the most important part here. And, and when you look at, at NKU, they do lose quite a bit. Uh, they lost Tyler Sharp, Jalen Tate, and Dantez Walton, uh, three of these easily the three best players last year. Um, one player that I think is going to easily step up this year into that role is Trayvon Faulkner. He's a junior. Um, I had an interview with him about a month ago, and uh, he seems he seems very ready to, to fill that role of the leadership position that, that Tyler, Jalen, and Dantez kind of had. Um, but going back to the depth, we're adding, I believe it's six new freshmen. Um, and I, I think all of them are are ready to play right away. Um, and then we also have, uh, Darius Harding is a junior. He came over from uh, Motlau state, which is a junior college. Uh, he, he could very well find his way into the starting lineup and as well as a redshirt junior from Northern Arizona, Carlos Hines. Um, I'm very, very big on this kid. I think, 
he has enormous potential. I, in Northern Arizona, he averaged almost 13 points a game, made 25 starts. Um, I think he could very well slide into the backcourt with Bryson Langdon right away and kind of form a one-two punch there that could be one of the best in the Horizon League. Interesting. Yeah, I know for Cleveland State, we have a we have a new men's basketball coach. So I think it's really a good time for the players to get to know the new head coach. Um, also, I think I think there is more downside, to be honest. You know, um, college students, they live they live a pretty uh, what's the word? Unpredictable life to begin with sure. to add all of this to it. You know, I think it makes it I think it really does make it hard. There's a lot of extra pressure. And, you know, sometimes the sports um, just having the predictability of the, the day to day, the practices and the schoolwork, you know, it's it's easier to balance it when you know what's going on. But, you know, these guys are under a lot of pressure and a lot of um you know, uncertainty. So I think there is more downside, but I would say the, the upside is getting to know their new head coach um, with practice. Right. So that's interesting. You mentioned the Cleveland state situation because we've, we've talked about this a couple, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, with Dennis Gates and kind of this, you know, that, that humongous surprise he had last season with, you know, with, with his, you know, being able to bring in a bunch of guys at the very last minute and turn that around into a, a, a season that got him, you know, co-coach of the year. Now this year, you know, he, he's got all these new faces. I mean, if I look at the depth on that Cleveland State team, I'm thinking these guys can run on five guys on, five guys off all game, which – you know, it consider when you consider a back-to-back schedule that you're doing right now. I think because um, we, I, it seems to me they would have the advantage. But to your point, obviously, getting everybody on the same page is going to definitely be a challenge. I mean, because that's a lot of guys to get on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to be totally honest, you know, coming coming into this role, this being my first semester, I I have yet to meet a lot of these guys. So. Um, you know, I'm I'm very excited to you know see these guys grow over the net, over the season, and uh, you know I think they're going to do great. They they have you know they come from different backgrounds, and uh, you know I think I think it's going to be interesting to watch them. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited for the season to come. From a Robert Morris perspective, we have seven freshmen that are actually entering the program, and. They're not going to be mainly the focal point, I don't think. All the all the eyes are going to turn to junior guard Dante Tracy and senior forward AJ Brahma. Basically, that that duo was lights out last year. Tracy continued to get better just as the season went on. He was the MVP of the NEC championship game. AJ Brahma went from a he was a transfer last year, coming in as a junior, then elevated himself from the eighth man coming up the eighth man overall in the rotation to becoming the sixth man to starting in the NEC tournament and flat out played fantastic. He's our rim protector. He basically is our best player on the team and he could potentially be a star in the making. He was a second team. I believe he was ranked on the um, second team preseason list for the horizon league. So that those are the two guys you got to watch out for. Yeah. And even though Brahma is the best player on the team, RMU loves to shoot threes. This is basically, you know, you see it as a three and D player. This is a three and D team. And I want to ask you guys, because I'm still trying to study the conference a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the main strength overall of the Horizon League? Is, is the conference mainly shoot threes? Is it 
dominated by big guys. What's your take on that? So, so historically, the Horizon League has been a pretty guard-heavy league, um, which is ironic because the best team in the league over the last few years has been Northern, uh, not Northern Kentucky. Well, yeah, it's sort of North, obviously Northern Kentucky, but also um, with not just Northern Kentucky, but Wright State. And both of those teams featured pretty prominent big guys, uh, obviously with Northern Kentucky, Andrew McDonald. With Wright State, you have a guy like Loudon Love, who are these the big men in the middle. So yeah, Chris Vogt, too. Let's not forget him, Bob. <laughs> I, well, you know, anyway, <laughs> I could say something, but I'm not going to at the moment. But yeah, but, you know. But those examples aside, and Al Eichelberger at Cleveland State is another good example of that, uh, where uh, you know a, a big guy is making an impact within the Horizon League. It's not rare, but by and large, the the conference itself has been really the, the signature has been the guard play. It has been if you look at the the success of the guards in this league over the course of the lifetime of this league, you see the, you see examples of really good guard play to the point where, I mean, I'm talking pro good, obviously, you know, if you get, you have examples like an Antoine Davis, who is arguably one of the best guards in this league, not even arguably, he is one of the best guards in this league. And he's also going to be in that NBA draft conversation. And he's not alone. He's not the only one who's gone. And he's not even the only Detroit Mercy player to have, to be a guard, to be a backcourt player. And in the NBA, I mean, starting with Rashad Phillips going into, you know, Willie Green, Ray McCallum Jr. Yeah. That's just Detroit Mercy alone. I could go on and give you Brad examples. Brad <laughs> I can give you examples of guards, you know, guards that have been good enough to play in the NBA across the conference over the last, you know, throughout the entire lifetime of the conference. So when you look at it historically, yes, the the signature has been ball handling. The signature has been, you know, great shooting and above everything else, I, I, you know, especially in the case of like Norris Cole at Cleveland State defense. Hope that helped it. Yeah. What aren't you glad that you asked that five word question? I was gonna say, what, what was the question again? I I got lost the in question, your lesson. That was a great answer, I'd say. The question was the NEC was basically kind of a big guy conference, I would say. What I mean, obviously there were a lot of guards that dominated, like St. Francis had a couple guards that were fantastic. But I was the question was what is the basic model of the Horizon League? Is it dominated by guards, big men? Like, what's the overall style and structure of play? And I would say, I think this is basically what Bob's getting to, is where we've had a lot of, you know, you've got moments of good bigs, but overall, like most mid-majors, it, yeah. it's a guard-heavy league. That's what you're going to see at the mid-major level, because any you can't teach size, as we know, and so any really, really outstanding bigs end up generally in power conferences, more or less. Which yeah, you know, which is not which is actually a really good segue into the team that that argue that is by many counts picked to you know pick to win the conference again this season, which is Wright State. Um, and again, Wright State 
does have outstanding guard play. That's undisputed. Last year, they they were guided by, among other people, Tanner Holden, who's back this year, uh, Billy Wampler and Cole, uh, Cole Gentry, who obviously are not here this year or graduated. But when you look at Wright State, it has been, by uh, for them, this, the kind of the, the foundation for their success has been that big guy, uh, Loudon Love. And so my question to you guys is what would it take specifically for uh, a team to knock, to knock Wright State off? Because as, as good as Wright State is, there's always a chance. There's always a chance that they're able going to be able to, you know, they, they can be beaten. They, you know, obviously <laughs> the tournament kind of proved that last year when they lost the UIC and Northern Kentucky ended up winning the, the, the conference tournament. So what exactly would it take for a Horizon League team next year to compete and defeat Wright State? So I, I think... Like you said, Loudon Love, he, he is the centerpiece of that team, and he's going to be the guy they're looking for now, especially, I believe, going into his senior season. Or Is he a junior now? Um, yes. No, oh, wait, no. Um, no, Love's a senior. No, Love, Love, is a, Love is a senior, yeah. Love is actually a senior. He's, he's a redshirt senior. Um, actually, well, I mean, technically, everybody has an extra year eligibility, so he might be around here next year, too, so uh, fair warning. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to that, I think uh, defensive play when it comes to the front court is going to be uh, pretty huge. Adrian Nelson is someone for NKU that I'm looking at to have a big year this year. He's outstanding on the rebounding aspect of things. Uh, I'm kind of looking for him to take a step forward defensively. Uh, uh-huh. Last year, NKU tried to, uh, when, when, it, when it came to love, they, they usually put Dantes or Silas Adiki, who also uh, is not the part of the program on him. And it wasn't. They weren't always successful. And Adrian Nelson, he he, he's a big body. He'll be able. He's six seven, two twenty. He'll be able to kind of bang down low and and try to get some rebounds around Love. And I think that's going to be the best way to to kind of defeat him, at least from a from a head to head standpoint, is to play physical and um, try to knock him off the post down there. So. Yeah, kind of going beyond your your teams, I I look at kind of the team that a lot of people are picking as the runner up, which is Youngstown State, and I look at them, and I also look at the fact that last year Wright State went into Youngstown State, it, it went into the Beakley Center, and pretty much dominated them from tip to the end, and and for me at least, it it seems to me to have an answer against Wright State is to not only contain Loudon Love just enough though, so he's not doing major damage, but also get some outstanding play from the backcourt and kind of neutralize what they what Wright State is trying to do. And I know, you know, with Youngstown State you have per, you know a perfect example of the type of team that they have, especially when you have a, a dynamic player like Darius Quisenberry in their backcourt. Well, and Bob, I think what we saw last year was U- UIC matched up really well with Wright State, but why? And what it came down to is they didn't try to match up with Loudon Love. They kept Loudon Love out of the game, and they just ran. And he got tired. And I think that's what it's going to come down to this year is, is instead of trying to match up with Loudon Love, because I don't think anyone can. I mean, 
Oakland came kind of close last year by using Brechting and uh, and uh, Xavier Hill Mays. But you know what? They couldn't keep up with the right state at that point. So I think the, the secret is going to be, can any of these teams just outrun them? And I, I think some of the, the horizon in general is getting towards a faster league. And I think yeah. that that might be right state's kryptonite. Yes, as we've mentioned many times on this podcast. <laughs> Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at you look at the UIC, if you look at UIC from last year, they gave, they absolutely gave Wright State. They, in fact, throughout the entire time Love, Love has been at Wright State, UIC has given them headaches. Now the question becomes is now that there is a coaching change over there for you know versus with Steve McClain, now it's Luke Yaklich. Where you know how does that dynamic change? And I'm not really sure, especially since you have an entire you, you're changing, you're completely changing the backcourt for them next year, where you had a you know where you had a Godwin Bowen, a Tarkus Ferguson, and a Marcus Audi. You now have three new guys. So that's a good question. That you know that, and then also too in the front court, yes, you have Braylon Bridges, but now you don't have Jordan Blunt, but you also have Michael Diggins. So that that's a that's going to be a big question mark for UIC, but that's going to be an interesting thing, you know, moving forward. Who's going to be able to have the depth and have the ability to run to challenge Wright State? That's a good question. I maintain it's still going to be Cleveland State, but that's just me. Of course, you think that. Obviously. Yeah, you're you're kind of a homer, and it shows. Um, yeah. You know- <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see where the season goes. You know, obviously the Cleveland State men's basketball team has a lot to um, work on as far as chemistry. Um, but you know, I'm I'm excited to see if you know that'll come together. The one thing Cleveland State's got going for, and I can say it because I'm not the Cleveland State homer, is man, if I could play for any coach in this league, I think it would be Dennis Gates. Like, I want to run through a wall for him, and I, I've only talked to him once. You know, like, That's just a true. really impressive coach. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a phenomenal guy, too. Um, and, you know, he's he's taking, you know, COVID very seriously. So, yeah. you know, hopefully there won't be any um, anybody on the COVID-19 list. You know, hopefully nobody gets kicked off or anything like that. So I, I think, uh, you know, he, he really commands respect from the players too. So I'm excited to see his, his run with this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as the rest of the conference is concerned, when you look at anybody else in the conference besides your own teams, uh, who, what, what team, what team sticks out to you guys as a potential, you know, a potential spoiler in the league? Uh, one team for me that kind of stands out is Oakland. Um, Interesting. Uh, Rashad Williams, when he joined the team in midseason, I remember it, when, the first game that I covered for NKU, uh, as not really a, not a sports editor, but as a contributor for the Northerner, we played Oakland, and Rashad Williams, it was only his second or third game, I want to say, with the team after he joined kind of in January. But I want to say he went off for over 30 points. I mean, he was just – he has an excellent shot from beyond the three-point range. Um I think joining him with uh, with Daniel Oladapo in the front court, um, as well as Kevin Kangu, I I think they're smaller. But like you said, when you're trying to keep it fast paced, and, and especially when you're trying to be right state, you go you want to kind of keep the pace up. And Rashad Williams is definitely going to help them do that from the point guard position. 
and we haven't mentioned it because we've been doing this uh, this week, but we did, uh, Zion Young did get his waiver, so that he's he is eligible for the season for Oakland, and that that's going to help them in their guard play as well. Absolutely. So yeah, one team that I'm looking forward to seeing, and maybe it's just from an RMU perspective being the closest team is Youngstown State. I think you know obviously with Darius Quisenberry leading the way last year, fantastic. Fantastic performances. He, the Colonials actually played at Youngstown State in a non-conference game, and he went off against them with 23 points. And from an RMU perspective, the leading scorers in that game for the Colonials were Jalen Hawkins, Savion McEwen, and Yannis Mendy. None of those players are on the team anymore. Hawkins transferred, McEwen graduated, and Mendy graduated. So... Obviously, as we've, we've mentioned, YSU has had some success. And I think that's going to be a budding rivalry there from maybe not just an overall conference perspective, but from a new team entering the conference perspective. And Robert Morris, that is one team that I know there's been discussions about that this could be a potential rival and someone we have to watch out for. So one last question i wanted to have, uh, i wanted to uh, pose to you guys obviously with the change in the conference schedule there are going to be teams that that schools are not going to face this year um, i believe robert morris is not going to be going up to what is it green bay they're not going to this year um, i think that's right yeah yeah so and I know that there are there are other situations where you know you're playing ten teams, but you're not playing that eleventh team. How would you think? How do you guys think that might potentially affect not necessarily the conference season, but the the conference tournament when you have the potential to face a team that you may not have faced in the regular season? Yeah, I think familiarity with with these teams is obviously such a big factor. Um, I think NKU, they don't play Detroit this year. And um, obviously that's a huge deal with, with Antoine Davis. That's that's kind yeah. of a kid. You, you need to be able to see him once or twice to, to kind of understand how dynamic he is at the point guard spot. And that could very well be an issue for them if, if that matchup does arise in the, in the Horizon League tournament. But um, overall, I think I, – I don't know if it's going to have too big of a factor, to be honest with you, besides – the familiarity aspect of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I think it'll affect RMU because they've seen nobody in the conference, basically, outside of YSU. So, you know, maybe not that much of a factor because of the clear – you haven't played these teams before. So you're going to be going into every single game this year trying to gather as much knowledge as you can in preparation for the tournament and not having that familiarity like the other teams in the conference do from years past. So I think from that standpoint, it's going to be a struggle. But, I mean, who knows? The the whole COVID environment is a struggle to begin with. So everything's just kind of yet to be seen at this point. Very true indeed. Um, So, yeah, with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close this episode out. Gentlemen, thank you all very much for joining us. Tell us where we can find you guys online, not just yourselves, but uh, but your collective uh, publications. Yeah, you can find uh, CSU Cauldron. We have uh, WordPress, so just type in uh, Cleveland State University Cauldron. Um, 
You can also find my Twitter handle at, at Anton Krieger 99. Uh, as for NKU, you can, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us about NKU. So the it's just the northerner.com. That's our publication website. Um, you can just do that. And then as far as my personal Twitter account, it's Matthew Dietz underscore one. And then Northerner Sports and the Northerner also have Twitter accounts that are very active as well. So for Robert Morris, our new Twitter account for our website is at RMU underscore CSN. That's for our website, ColonialSportsNetwork.com. It's branched off from our, our typical site that we uh, have built up throughout the years, RMUCentralMedia.com. And for me personally on Twitter, I'm Austin R. Bechtold. Nice. All right. Well, well, thank you all for joining us. We love to hear the insight from uh, those from the students at these at these schools. And, you know, I always look forward to this part of the year, especially since, you know, given my own particular background. So, again, it, I can't thank you guys enough for joining us next week. Uh, and we'll be sort of in the season depending upon who which team you're following and next next episode we're gonna we're gonna have tony paul with us definitely don't want to miss that for real Until, this time though for real this time yes yes we for sure are gonna have tony paul we promise we're not gonna do that we're not going to hype this up and disappoint you guys again we'll disappoint you in other ways um <laughs> wow. well i mean that, anyway uh <laughs> uh Again, HorizonRoundtable.com. Be sure to follow us. Um, obviously, not just for the podcast, but for for the stories we're going to have posted up. You can also, again, wherever you find podcasts, we are basically everywhere now. I mean, do you knew that Amazon now their Audible app now opens up to podcasts, so we're there now too. So that's sort of awesome, I guess. Um, but again, you can also pull us up on your uh, your Amazon or Google devices. So. Tune in next week, and until then, thank you all for listening.